Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're listening to The Cost of These Dreams from Wright Thompson, a podcast about sports stories from iHeartMedia, Graphic Audio, and Goat Rodeo. This next episode is Ghosts of Mississippi. So lately we've been grappling a lot with the histories that we've been taught and the ones that we haven't. I mean, the conversation has been largely around what's been left out of our textbooks. And this piece is one that Wright wrote over a decade ago. Really strange that it was written over a decade ago. It wouldn't be a shock to anyone who's heard Wright speak, but he is from Mississippi and is very much a byproduct of Mississippi. His family uh, is very close to Ole Miss and uh, that university there. And for people who don't know, Ole Miss is formally known as the University of Mississippi. But every Mississippi fan would know them as the Ole Miss Rebels. Fans sing Dixie in the stands during the game. And up until very recently, uh, football players would run onto the field with cheerleaders carrying the world's largest Confederate battle flag. You know, I think people sort of look to sports to uh, get away from politics. Or at least rhetorically, that's what a lot of people say. But, you know... So many school programs are grappling with things that they allow in their sports fandom that would otherwise be not acceptable behavior if you were to start it today. All that to say that in the American South, you will, if you go to a SEC college program, you will see lots of things that seem out of touch with where the country is headed. And those are not things that are dying quietly. And it's interesting to see where the seeds of that come from in this piece that Wright wrote. Well, Wright has a really great line, which is what is the cost of knowing our past and what is the cost of not? And I think this piece is really about Wright retelling a part of our past that he never learned and making sure others get to hear it. So this is Ghosts of Mississippi. I grew up surrounded by all of this imagery. I didn't even know I mean, this sounds so dumb, especially to people listening who aren't from 
deep, deep south. Like, I didn't think it was good or bad. I didn't even know what it meant to other people. I mean, it is a, you know, there was no internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it, it, it's just weird to think about now. Part one, the battle. September 29th, 1962. Players can hear the noise. They can't see anything but the locker room walls inside Mississippi Memorial Stadium in Jackson, but they can hear the noise. It's halftime, and Ole Miss is beating an overmatched Kentucky, though just barely. What's worse, the Rebels have been uncharacteristically sloppy early in the game. Bruising fullback Buck Randall, considered by many to be the baddest son of a bitch on campus, has a touchdown call back because of a penalty. This is not like the teams coached by John Vault, who runs his squad like a corporation. All business, no rah-rah speeches. The scene in the stands above the locker room is alive with color, a circus of motion, most of the 41,000 spectators furiously waving Confederate battle flags. The band plays Dixie, The crowd sings along, waving those flags and cheering. There are no black fans in the stadium, and on nights like these, it's easy to forget the South lost the war. In some ways, that's precisely the point. A young politician named William Winter looks around and feels like a stranger. How can this be happening? The crowd shakes with indignation the air filling with rebel yells from the mouths of doctors and bankers and lawyers and priests, and Winter thinks, so this must be what a Nazi rally felt like. Mississippi Governor Ross Barnett, a prominent member of the Dixiecrats and supporter of racial segregation, is at the game. He is wearing a pen that reads, never. The crowd screams for him. Unbeknownst to them, hours earlier, Barnett made a secret deal with the Kennedys to have the first black student, James Meredith, enrolled. Governor, this is the president speaking. Yes, sir. Uh, now, uh, I know that you're feeling about uh, the uh, law of Mississippi and the fact that uh, you don't want to carry out that court order. What can they do to maintain law and order to prevent the gathering of a mob and uh, action taken by the mob? What can they do? But once again, he's on the verge of changing his mind. He has been so hated and now is so loved. 101 years earlier, all but four students at Ole Miss dropped out of school to form Company A of the 11th Mississippi Infantry, the University Grays. On July 3rd, 1863 at Gettysburg, the unit rose from safety and made a futile rush from Seminary Ridge. Everyone was killed or injured and history named their suicide mission Pickett's Charge. 
the school's sports teams would be called Rebels to honor their sacrifice. The young men and women in the stands on this day in 1962 are just three generations removed from those lost souls. William Winter grew up listening to his grandfather tell him about riding with the Confederate Army. The male students, especially those who have grown up with similar stories, feel something move deep inside themselves. Tonight, the emotions are real. And in case anyone misses the connection, the next morning's paper will devote two pages to Robert E. Lee's March North. Governor Barnett just can't help himself. The enthusiasm of the crowd is taking him out to sea. A microphone appears at midfield. A single spotlight swings across the field until it illuminates the governor. Barnett walks to the microphone. The crowd falls silent. He raises his right fist. I love Mississippi, he yells. The crowd roars, even the moderates feeling chills. I love Mississippi. I love her people. I'm accustomed. I love and I respect our heritage. flag-waving grows frantic, and the roar gets louder, and the yelling and screaming drowns him out, and Barnett doesn't say another word. He doesn't have to. To be an African-American in this world isn't much different than it was in 1861. The scene that William Winter called a Nazi rally actually has its roots in 1948. That's when President Harry Truman signed the first civil rights legislation desegregating the United States Army. That year, something new popped up at Ole Miss football games, Confederate flags. The band started playing Dixie. Someone commissioned the largest rebel flag ever for the band to carry onto the field. Vault, in only his second season as coach, gave those fans something to cheer about. The football team might not have intended it, but to people in the state, the squad became the last Confederate soldiers. And by this point in 1962, the atmosphere is intoxicating for half the population and toxic for the other. The black community feels under siege. On the day of the Kentucky game, radio stations around the state played Dixie over and over and over. Murley Evers, whose husband Medgar is the head of the Mississippi NAACP, is working in her kitchen with two radios playing for surround sound. As the hours go by, she catches herself singing along with the radio. I wish I was in the land of cotton. Old times there are not forgotten. Look away. She is horrified. She despises the song Dixie, but even she is being sucked in. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd.
Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. When Barnett has finished his speech, the state is in a frenzy. Leaflets circulate through the stadium with lyrics to a new song, which also had been printed in the paper that morning. A few people leave in disgust, but many stay and sing. Never, 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 no, never, never, never. We will not yield an inch of any field. Fixes another toddy ain't yielding to nobody. Ross is standing like Gibraltar and he shall never falter. Ask us what we say, it's to hell with Bobby K. Never shall our emblems go from Colonel Reb to old Black Joe. That's all Barnett needs to hear. The deal is off. James Meredith will not be enrolled. Never. The Rebels go on to beat Kentucky, though they manage just one more touchdown. The fervent Ole Miss fans file out of the stands. A young African-American boy named Leroy Watlington, who would grow up to be an influential preacher, lived off the highway leading out of town. He has learned to dread home football games. These fans, many drunk on illegal booze, 
yelled racial slurs at his family as they inched back home. People are lying me and calling me saying, well, you've given up. I said, I had to say, no, I'm not giving up, not giving up any fight. Yeah, but we I never give up. I, I have courage and faith and, and we'll win this fight, you understand? That's just the Mississippi people. I understand, but I don't think anybody even in Mississippi or any place else wants a lot of people killed. Oh, no, no. That's what they're governor. That's the most I'll important issue, thing. I'll yeah. issue any statement any time about peace and violence. In Washington, after Barnett makes the phone call that the deal is off, the wheels are turning. Staff members take papers to President John F. Kennedy. When signed, these papers will federalize the Mississippi National Guard and begin the process of sending U.S. Army regulars to the South, something he desperately hoped to avoid. Kennedy sits down in the treating room to sign and date the document. Is it past midnight, he asks? It's 20 seconds past 12, a staff member responds. Kennedy nods and signs the order, then writes the date, September 30th, 1962. The genie is out of the bottle, and no force on earth, least of all Governor Ross Barnett, will be able to push it back in again. In the early morning hours of Sunday, September 30th, 1962, James Meredith waits. He has been waiting his entire life. When he was just a kid, his daddy told him stories about their family, about how his great-grandfather had been the last legitimate chief of the Choctaw Nation. The indignity of that fall from grace cast a shadow on Meredith's early life. And it shaped him, convinced him to leave segregated Mississippi and join the Air Force. And it brought him back home again, a 29-year-old who wanted to destroy white supremacy. On the day of John F. Kennedy's inauguration, he applied to Ole Miss. In other words, he had been preparing for this moment for decades, getting his mind ready, reading, trying to find out the secret to ordinary men doing extraordinary things. Meredith fought in the courts, eventually winning the right to matriculate. For most of September, federal agents were trying to enroll him, but were turned back by politicians. Meredith and the feds thought a deal had been arranged that the waiting was finally over, but Barnett's call fixed that. Finally fed up, Robert Kennedy threatens Barnett. The president is going on live television to tell the nation, and Mississippians in particular, that the governor has been promising them one thing while dealing with the hated Kennedys behind their backs. Segregation is about to end at Ole Miss, First place is the court's order to you, which I guess is well, what's your position? It over, Mr. President. Uh, you know what I'm up against, Mr. President. I took an oath in order to buy to the laws of this state uh, and our Constitution here and the Constitution of the United States. Meredith and Head Marshal Jim McShane climb into a green twin-engine Border Patrol Cessna and take off. Destination, Oxford, Mississippi. As Meredith and McShane make their way to Oxford, Coach Vault settles into the film room and begins to work. Two wins down, seven to go. Many of the players, who'd gone home to see their families after the Saturday Kentucky game, start to make their way back to campus that evening as well. Buck Randall heads back to Oxford from the Delta through the Flatlands, white cotton all around, waiting to be picked. On campus, quarterback Glenn Griffin stares out a window. Federal marshals have surrounded the Lyceum building, the oldest structure on campus, 
where Meredith will register in the morning. What are they doing here, Griffin wonders. Players wander off to see what the commotion is all about. Sam Owen, a wise guy lineman, nicknamed Soup Moan, hangs around at the back of the crowd, taking in the scene. So does Lewis Guy, one of the most popular players on campus. Jim Weatherly, a sophomore quarterback, watches too. Hundreds of students fill the circle of grass in front of the marshals who have gathered near the Lyceum. It feels almost like a pep rally, topped by a large dollop of defiance. Co-eds ride on the backs of convertibles around the street in front of the building. Rebel flags flying from the cars, the familiar chants from the stadium ringing out, but slightly altered. Like hotty toddy, gashamati, who the hell are we? Flim flam, bim bam, white folks by damn. Again, the marshals grit their teeth, darkness settling over Oxford. It will be a long time before sunrise. The players watch the madness unfold. Some join the mob. And there's a lot of people up there, and they start screaming at us and telling us to go back home and who the hell do you think you are? And we just waved to them and just drove down to the campus. One player, a burly ex-boxer turned lineman named Don Dixon, disrupts an interview while a friend smashes the reporter's camera. Mostly, though, they stand to the side, some amazed, some frightened. The violence increases as if the dark offers absolution. First it's a smash camera, then a tossed cigarette. The mob surrounds a Dallas television reporter, George Yoder, sitting in his station wagon with his wife in the passenger seat. Someone reaches in and grabs his camera, which is thrown at the marshals. Then the mob turns on Yoder's wife, reaching for her like a scene from a zombie movie, screaming, you N-word loving Yankee bitch, She is from Jackson, Mississippi. Finally, after watching the scene with amusement, some state troopers lead the Yoders to safety. Later, their car will be flipped over and burned. The mob closes in on the marshals, missiles coming now from every direction, starting adolescent, slowly becoming more adult, from rotten eggs to firebombs. A construction site not far away is discovered and bricks rain down on the white painted helmets of the marshals. A group takes down the American flag and runs up the Confederate battle flag. The chain snarls at half staff where the flag will remain throughout the night. The stars and bars, a beacon heralding a long gone moment when a bunch of college boys rose and charged from Seminary Ridge. A campus security officer finds Vault and asks, would the coach be willing to try to calm the crowd? Vault wanders through the mob for a while, then rushes to Miller Hall. At 7.30, Barnett goes on the radio to announce that Meredith has been brought to Mississippi by force. Gentlemen, the governor said, you are trampling on the sovereignty of a great state and depriving it of every vestige of honor and respect as a member of the United States. You're destroying the Constitution of the United States, the governor said. And then he added, may God have mercy on your souls. Twenty minutes later, Marshal McShane orders his men to put on their gas masks. A few minutes after that, as President Kennedy prepares to address the nation, a heavy length of lead pipe bounces off the head of a marshal, denning his helmet. 
the marshals gripped their billy clubs tighter. Joe Wilkins, senior wide receiver standing close to the marshals by a small magnolia tree near the sidewalk, hears someone shout, let them have it. All hell breaks loose. The marshals spray tear gas into the crowd, the rounds popping off sounding exactly like helicopter rotors turning. A haze covers the campus, and tears stream down everyone's face. It's at this moment that President Kennedy comes in over the airwaves. Good evening, my fellow citizens. The orders of the court in the case of Meredith versus Fair are beginning to be carried out. Mr. James Meredith is now in residence on the campus of the University of Mississippi. JFK's words carry over radios of cars parked near the Lyceum, adding an eerie soundtrack. All students. The whoop of tear gas guns, the screaming of the mob, the cloud covering the campus, and the voice of the President of the United States in the background, urging everyone to remain calm. You have a great tradition to uphold, a tradition of honor and courage, one, one on, the on the field, field of battle, battle and on the gridiron, as well as the university campus. You have a new opportunity to show that you are a man of patriotism and integrity. It lies in your courage to accept those laws and our pledge to man's freedom. With tear gas seeping into the team dorm through the towels beneath the doors and windows, Vault gathers his players. The sounds of explosions frighten them, as does a new sound gunshots. Most of them are hunters, and so they listen and recognize the calibers of the round slowly rising. While assistant coaches patrol the halls, Vault says we have to band together. We have a purpose. We must keep our poise. The players get the message. Pull tight. Stay together no matter what happens. Don't go out. But Buck Randall wants to go out. And telling him to stay put is like telling him not to eat ice cream. He slips into the night where the Civil War has begun anew. And the North is losing. Later, the events of tonight will seem impossible. An Associated Press reporter shot in the back. A bulldozer and fire truck stolen and driven at the marshals. A French reporter is shot dead and so was a local resident. Dozens of marshals are shot or injured. A sniper sets up on the Confederate statue, first shooting out the lights, then turning his weapon on the Lyceum, pushing the marshals inside, high-powered deer rounds shattering the door and window frames. During the night, Chief Burns Tatum, the head of security for the university, spots Buck Randall in the crowd and pulls him into the besieged Lyceum, where Randall comes face-to-face with the carnage. In a corridor, shot through the neck, Marshal Gene Same from Indianapolis is bleeding out on the floor as his fellow officers kneel over him, helpless and frustrated. Where the hell's the doctor, one yells. This man is dying. Tatum tells the marshals that Randall plays football for the rebels, and that sends some of them over the edge. Come on, son, a marshal snarls. We got something to show you. They push him real close to Same. You see him? You see him? He's bleeding to death and then they push Buck Randall back out into the crowd. Randall tries to explain to the mob what they've done. There's a man in there dying, he says. A crowd begins to gather, and people don't like what they're hearing. Someone yells, pull him down. 
Another one yells, murder him. Every time someone challenges him, Randall snarls, come on, boy, come on, try it. The people who know him, the students, don't get within a dozen feet. The folks who came here just to fight sent some major alpha mojo because they don't mess with him either. But that doesn't mean they intend to listen. They mock him, and finally, Randall gives up. The crowd separates and lets him through. He walks back to Miller Hall alone, disappearing into the haze. Through the long night, the marshals wait for the U.S. Army regulars. The cavalry in the form of the 101st and 82nd Airborne and an elite military police unit is on the way. Troops landed in Memphis, Tennessee and drove the 85 miles south to the Ole Miss campus. For the first time in a century, the United States Army is invading the state of Mississippi. Black families leave their homes and stand on the side of the highway, silent, as if at attention, watching the Union Army speed toward Oxford. On campus, the troops dismount and rush to rescue the marshals and local National Guard, who are almost out of tear gas and scared of being overrun. 160 are wounded, 28 of them by gunfire. The troops form a wedge and march past the sorority houses, where girls curse and throw books. They march through a storm of bricks and Molotov cocktails, never breaking stride. The formation gets within sight of the marshals, whose relief comes out as a long, loud cheer. By a little after 5 a.m., the troops have pushed the rioters off campus. Students, the football team at Miller Hall, and Meredith over at Baxter Hall began dressing for class, the smell of tear gas still heavy in the air. Marshals slump over at the Lyceum, surrounded by cigarette butts and bloody gauze. Others eat sea rations under trees in front of the building. Two men, the French reporter and a local jukebox repairman, lie dead. The campus priest walks through the tear gas and takes down the Confederate flag. The battle is over, and now a state, a school, and a football team have to pick up the pieces. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. 
Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. If that story felt like a, a history lesson from 1962, it was a failure, was the thing I kept saying. Like, this thing needs to be about right now, even though so much of the action happened in the past. And uh, so that was, that was my, like, mantra, that this needs to be a story about right now. You are what you were taught. Why wouldn't they run out behind it? was on our state flag until like 10 minutes ago. I mean, I'm stunned that anybody thought it was weird. But, you know, knowing and not knowing, I mean, I'm still wrestling with that. I mean, I had the, a story in the Atlantic about the barn where Emmett Till was killed recently. And it, it's about, it's intergenerational. It's about teaching. So what do we teach people about the past? You know, and because that's, they will be the citizens. And so, you know, I mean, there's a, in that Emmett Till story, and this is, feels very relevant to this Ole Miss story. I mean, those stories feel very connected to me, actually. Uh, to me, this was a story about teaching and about what you learn and what you don't, what you want to learn and what you don't and why. Part two, Reconstruction, October 1st, 1962. The Ole Miss-Houston game is only five days away, and thousands of federal troops are camped out on Vaught's practice field, more camped outside of town, one radio call away from marching on Oxford. Helicopters move men and equipment. Troops screen every car coming onto campus, looking in trunks and under seats for weapons. Meredith goes to class escorted by armed guards, harassed the entire way. The first walk of the morning brings frothing crowds. How are you getting along in school, sir? Just fine. Just fine. How are these students uh, that have been talking to? Have there been any reactions? Uh, no, just acting like students, I suppose. Someone gets right in his face and screams, was it worth two lives, and calls him the N-word. Meredith puts on his poker face. There's really only one overwhelming reason not to just shutter the place. The highly ranked rebels. No school, 
no football. Minutes before the Houston game kicks off, the Ole Miss team is gathered again in the locker room, but everything is different now. Fault almost never gives pregame speeches. He thinks they're silly, but right now, he needs to say something. Walt feels like the entire university is riding on the backs of his team. He needs them to understand. These young guys, he needs them to see. It is very important that we play this game, boys, Walt says, and we have to win it. The team roars in response and rushes out of the locker room onto the field. Walt gets chills watching the Rebels dominate undefeated Houston 40-7, with Griffin throwing three touchdown passes to Guy. But the most emotional two ovations of the day have nothing to do with the game. One comes at the beginning when Barnett enters his box. The other comes when the public address man announces other scores from around the country. Michigan has beaten Army, the hated invader of Ole Miss, 17 to nothing. The crowd goes wild. The state of Mississippi cannot cope with the United States Army or the Federal Armed Forces. And our sovereign state proclaims to all of our sister states that these acts are in violation and are utter contempt of the rights of our people as guaranteed by the Federal Constitution. Two days later, Meredith heads for the cafeteria for dinner. Most of the other students have already eaten and are just milling around. A few more arrive, then a few more, until a crowd is formed. Meredith, accompanied by a marshal, sits at a table near a window, working his way through hamburger steak and potatoes. The crowd chants, eat, N-word, eat. A student throws a hand-sized rock through the cafeteria window. It lands three feet away, glass falling on the Marshal and Meredith. Troops rush to the scene. The mob hurls the usual projectiles. During the commotion, Meredith, shaken, is hustled out the back. The insults continue, along with the constant cursing. Effigies hang from dorm windows. Mail pours in, more positive than negative, but the negative is truly vile. Meredith reads every letter. Two students who eat dinner with him have their rooms wrecked, inward lover painted on the walls with shoe polish. Glenn Griffin in a quarterback now for the Rebels. Keeps the ball, and it's a first down for Ole Miss. Brasher made the stop. Griffin hands off to Jennings now. He moves up the middle for five more to the Arkansas. The Ole Miss football team keeps winning, but the team continues a steady drop in the national polls. After the two-lane victory, the Associated Press poll lowers Ole Miss from fourth to seventh. After beating Vandy a week later, the team stays at seven, probably too far back to climb to number one. Coach Vault sits in his office and worries about his team. A loss in this group of amazing young men will fade from memory. Just another Ole Miss team to almost go undefeated. Some Mississippians wonder whether there aren't other reasons. An AP reporter was shot in Oxford, you know. Others believe or hope that victory over LSU will fix everything and put Ole Miss back in the thick of the national title hunt. The LSU game is just a week away, and all the old anxiety is flooding back. LSU ruined three perfect seasons in 58, 59, and 1960, 
and fans and players obsess over this pattern heading into Tiger Stadium. November 3rd, 1962, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The rebels gather in the tunnel. The concrete walls seem to amplify the noise of Tiger Stadium. Nearby, Mike the Tiger lounges in his cage and without warning lets out a hungry growl. Wide receiver Wilkins jumps. It would scare the living shit out of you, player Billy Champion would say later. Jitters pass from one rebel to the next like the flu. A stiff wind blows across the field at 15 miles an hour, coming in off the river. LSU, tough to beat here, takes a 7-0 lead with a little more than two minutes left in the half. Despite the buildup, or again maybe because of it, the Rebels look sluggish. Ole Miss starts a drive of its own, but still seems a little sleepy. Then one of the LSU defensive tackles pops lineman Jim Dunaway in the face, bloodying his lip. The sight and taste of his own blood awakens Big Jim, who bulldozes his man the rest of the night, opening up big holes. Blair is stopped by Rev after a gain of 14 yards, and it's a first down for Ole Miss on the LSU 34. Flowers takes a pitch and a throw. He passes to Grantham. It's good for 18 yards. With 23 seconds left in the half, Griffin has his team at the LSU 10. After a couple of incompletions, Griffin hits A.J. Holloway, who juggles the ball but secures it just as two LSU defenders grab him at about the three-yard line. As the clock ticks to zero, he breaks free, crossing the goal line. A missed extra point leaves the Rebels down 7-6, to six, but at least they have life. In the second half, with Ole Miss at the LSU 21, Vault pulls out the trickery they'd been practicing all week. Chuck Morris swings to the right, faking a run only to pull up short and toss the ball to Guy, 18 yards downfield. Two plays later, Griffin finds Guy to put the Rebels up for good. Ole Miss wouldn't beat a top-five team on the road again for 46 years, and as time runs out, The players run off the field yelling, we're number one. The locker room is a madhouse. Vault stands calmly amid the chaos. What an effort, he thinks, the best I've ever seen. He sweated through his shirt out there. He cannot wait for the new rankings to come out. His Ole Miss Rebels are the best team in the nation, and he's sure of it. A reporter asks whether he has any doubt how the wire service polls should go. None at all, he says. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The team stays focused on the one thing it can control, winning. They've now gone through an entire season unbeaten and untied, something no Ole Miss team had done before. But a few hours later, they get the news. No national title. USC beat Notre Dame. The Trojans are 10-0, and they will face number 2 Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. The winner will be the next national champion. The Rebels' final game would be played for pride. December 7, 1962, a cold wind blows through campus. Students wearing sweaters and overcoats carry books past Meredith. They look away. Confederate flags still hang from the windows, but no one screams at him. Still, he isn't welcome. If he tried to hold the door open, most students would stand in place until he gave up. But the threats of violence have slowed to a trickle. A forced tolerance has settled over the campus. Glenn Griffin in a quarterback now for the Rebels. Keeps the ball and gains three to the Arkansas 35, and it's a first down for Ole Miss. Brasher made the stop. On New Year's Day in 1963, Ole Miss wins the Sugar Bowl, 17-13. to 13. It's the Buck Randall Show. Weatherly hands off to Buck Randall. He smashes for a yard to the Arkansas 29, where he stopped by Polk. Final play of the game. Griffin tries the middle. Stopped with no game. And that's how the game ends. The final score, Ole Miss 17, Arkansas 13.
The Rebels have done it. They put together their first and only perfect season. But few will ever talk about the 1962 team without also mentioning James Meredith. And people won't remember Ole Miss for the dominant teams and the Sugar Bowl victories. They will remember it for a long night in 1962. James Meredith and the other soon-to-be graduates marched from the library toward the Grove, passing through the Lyceum, where all of that violence had taken place just months before. As a timely reminder that change is a natural component of evolution. The last few weeks of class, James Meredith wears one of Governor Barnett's never pins upside down on his lapel. His parents sit in the crowd as he walks across the stage including his proud father Moses, the son of a slave. The commencement speaker tells the graduates that the South is changing more every day, and they need to take advantage and not be left behind. About a dozen years ago, on a football Saturday, a group of guys from that 62 team stood around the grove, wondering why nobody ever seemed to bring up their perfect season, the only one in school history. While standing there, the guys conceived a monument to honor their time. In 1998, it was unveiled, an archway in the grove that the team walks through every day, another beloved tradition. It is called the Walk of Champions, and it was paid for by the members of the 1962 Ole Miss football team. Reporting the story took me places I'm not sure I wanted to go. I've always loved Mississippi, but each new layer I unearthed made that love a more difficult and complex thing to maintain. I read James Meredith's mail. Not photocopies, the actual letters. I found my relative's name in a military policeman's notebook, though never an explanation of why. And later, a photo of another great uncle urging citizens to fight the feds. I realized for the first time how these symbols of Ole Miss football, the flag and Dixie and even hottie toddy, were once used as weapons. How for a third of my fellow Mississippians, these images bring nothing but fear. Part of me wished that I didn't know any of that. And that's a scary idea. But I did know. And now I had an answer to a question I first asked myself in the library. What is the cost of knowing? A statue in James Meredith's honor stands on campus now, not too far from the Walk of Champions. There's a quote on it. Yes, Mississippi was, but Mississippi is. That seems about right. I'm at my first Ole Miss football game since finishing reporting the story, and kickoff is close. I look up at the south end zone and see in gigantic letters, 1962 national champions. It seems that some obscure poll voted the Rebels first. I mean, I read all of the local coverage of that season, and there was no mention of a national title. But there it is on the stadium in huge letters. There's such a blurry line between fact and fiction about 1962 that nobody seems to mind that the university has rewritten history in enormous letters on the side of its football stadium. Not only do we not like to talk about the past, we actually like to rearrange it to fit with our own ideas of what should have happened. And this strikes me obviously as incredibly dangerous. 
If we don't look at our flaws and culpability and learn from them, we seem doomed. The truth is that the 1962 team was good, really good, especially considering the obstacles, but that year, USC was better. The sign also brings me to the final question. What is the cost of not knowing? Most students here have no idea what really happened that night in front of the Lyceum. A lot of local contemporary histories call it a riot, and it wasn't. It was an insurrection. Those students know what I knew, brush strokes and a few comfortable anecdotes. Most believe what their parents believe. It's the reason the Daily Mississippian was the only daily student newspaper in America to endorse John McCain over Barack Obama. Thoughts are handed down like monogram cufflinks or an engraved shotgun. I'm sitting in my seats, and the band starts playing Dixie. And the moment is coming, one that makes me cringe for the black students who have to hear it, and for the white ones who have no idea what they're actually saying. The song speeds up near the end, and the crowd shakes once more. I don't know when this began or why, but as it finishes, many of the students, some of them the grandchildren of those here in the long fall of 1962, yell in unison, the South will rise again. The Cost of These Dreams is from iHeartMedia, Graphic Audio, and Wright Thompson. This series is produced by Goat Rodeo. Ian Enright and Megan Nadolsky are the lead producers. This episode is part of the eight-part series, The Cost of These Dreams. Find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to dive in deeper to Wright Thompson's The Cost of These Dreams, access the full audiobook wherever you get your audiobooks. Discover other works by Wright Thompson, including his latest book, Pappyland, wherever books are sold. From the Goat Rodeo team, production assistance from Rebecca Seidel, Isabel Kirby McGowan, Hamza Shittu, Maxwell Johnston, and Kara Schillen. Music by Ian Enright. Our deep thanks to Wright Thompson, Caitlin Riley, and John Weiss. Thanks for listening. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.